Oh my goodness. Happy Friday, friends. Anne-Marie, you need to go to the doctor and you're on time. I don't really even know what that means, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> you're my favorite. And I just got done reading your post about the fact that um, you can't put lashes on, but you can make gravy. And it made me laugh. That's hilarious. I've never even tried to put lashes on and I can also make gravy. So we have something in common. Hello, Vince and Lisa. Lisa, back on again from Connecticut. I liked it better when it said Kansas, but whatever. I won't disagree with God. Um, guys, we're going to, I'm just going to pull a fast one on you. I know what the description said I was going to do today, but I will get to that. But we need to, we need to shift. We need to go a different direction. It's just, it's important. We need to just go a different direction. When God pulls a fast one on you, how how easy is it for you to shift? I'm curious. Are you like, no, I already have a plan and and I'm sticking to it. I'll get to that later, God. I think that sometimes we perceive like God's suggestions as it can just um, be on the list of things to do. <laughs> but I have learned. That it is better to obey than to sacrifice. So we are we are making the shift because I really feel like this is what is on um, God's heart for us this morning, and um, and I hope that it blesses you. Um, I, I think that if I had to title this, and I love to I love to name things. Do you love to shift happens? That's hilarious. <laughs> Do you love to name things? <laughs> Um, I think that it would just be a question, where do you run when the pressure is on? Um, I, I kind of want to paint a picture for us because I think that this is our reality, is that we can be holding in one hand blessings. We can be holding um, really great news in in one hand and and then be experiencing something that is lesser or tragic or painful or piercing or depressing or, you know, the list goes on. In the other hand, what do you do in those moments? Do you side with the really great news and the great thing that's going on in your life? Do you put that aside and, and become enveloped in, in this other thing that's going on? Where do you run when the pressure is on. We have to know the answer to this because if we don't have a predetermined plan, it will become our demise because we will either try to cover up the stuff that's going on in our life and, and just be all about the really good news. Or we can be like, I see that. I see that really good news. I see that. That's a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. And still address the stuff that's going on in in our lives. And, um, and, and God was really talking to me about the life of Hannah and how this is what was going on in, in her life. And, and it's a fascinating story. Let's just read it. We are in first Samuel one, such a good story. There was a man from some town in the hill country of Ephraim, now I'm going to start reading my Bible to you. <laughs> Go read it for yourself. 
<laughs> his name was Elkanah or Elkanah or however you want to say that son of Jer- I'm not even going to say those words. He had two wives, the first named Hannah and the second Penina. What a name. Penina. Say that. Penina. I don't know. It's, I probably am adding a little bit of like a Southern Bell accent to that. Um, Penina had children, but Hannah was childless. And one thing that we really have to know historically here is that for a woman of this time to not have children really meant she had no purpose. You know, like that, that was, that was the one thing that they would have um, children, that they would be known as mothers. And so this is such a huge um, mark against her in her own mind. I'm not saying that anybody else put that on her, but in her own mind, it was such a, a, a dark space for her to, to live in the fact that she was childless. And um, this man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies at Shiloh. I love the different ways that, that people title God really need to pay attention to that because it it shows us the way that that they perceived God the way that they viewed him and and so to Elkanah he is the lord of armies i love that at Shiloh where Eli's two sons Hophni and Phineas were the lord's priests whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice he always gave portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from from conceiving. And so you can see here the blessing, right? So every year, Hannah is offered a double portion of what Penina, the one with the children, is given. So there is massive blessing in this woman's life. She's the favored one, right? Yet she still has this thing going on over here. And Penina's not very nice. Can we just know that? Penina. Year after year, she went up to the Lord's house. Her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah would ask. Why won't you eat? Why are you so troubled? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? That right there, what a question. Am I do do I not treat you to the equivalent of 10 sons? He's pointing out, woman, you're blessed and highly favored. Uh, I have favored you. You are everything to me. On one occasion, Hannah got up. My daughter's calling. (laughs) On one occasion, Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple, deeply hurt. Hannah prayed to the Lord. Oh gosh, my daughter's distracting me with her ridiculous text messages. 
Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. That's an interesting promise. It's This is so fascinating to me. She, she is, she is weeping bitterly, actually, it says in other translations before the Lord begging, give me a son just so she can give him back to the Lord. This is fascinating to me. Where do you run when the pressure is on? This is important. It's really important that we have a plan, that we know the route to take when the pressure is on. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with our petitions and our requests? (laughs) And there she is, friends. (laughs) The daughter who is calling and probably badgering me with her text messages saying, what if I was dying? She is my dramatic daughter. She comes by innocently, I will admit. Anyway, let's get back to Hannah. Autumn, we're talking about Hannah. So she's asking him, give me a son. And if you do, I will give him right back to you and he'll never have a haircut. While she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. And though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long? Are you going to be drunk? Woman, get rid of your wine. Okay, I don't want us to just breeze past this. We know she's praying because it tells us that's what she's doing. But can you imagine what this actually looks like for a priest? This is a man who stewards the presence of God. And he's not recognizing what is going on. This is, this is a nonsensical moment to, to the, the onlooker. She is, she's a mess. Her, her worship, her praise, her sacrifice is just snot and tears, you know? And here's what I want to ask us. In these moments where we have run, we have run to the altar in these moments of high pressure, and, and he becomes our everything. And you're in this space of snot and tears. And you feel like, I'm not even doing this right. I can't even do this right. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like nothing, nothing feels like it's going your way. Even though you've got good news over here. I can't even pray right. All I have to offer you is, is this snot and these tears. Are you judging what you're offering the Lord? Autumn, you are being so distracting. (laughs) All I saw was burrito. (laughs) Here's what I know. Is that even in those moments, because we're not familiar with travail, not in our culture, we're not familiar with travail. 
But travail is a deep space of worship. It's a deep space of praise. When you are allowing yourself to be seen by the Lord in your most vulnerable spaces, when you've made the decision to run, right? Like you've made your your decision, like I know where to go. I know where I belong in this moment. He will meet you there. You might not feel him because your emotions are so strong. But don't discount the snot and the tears. The groaning, the inability to, to form words. These are the moments when we just need to allow ourselves to get in the flow of the intercession that is flowing from Emmanuel's veins. He is constantly interceding on our behalf before the Father. When we don't have the words to say, when we don't have the song to sing, and tears and snot are all we have, just get in his flow. A fascinating thing will happen if you allow yourself to stay there long enough. And I know it's it's uncomfortable. This was uncomfortable for her to have to go there. And how much more uncomfortable when she's approached by the priest and he's accusing her of being drunk. How long, woman, are you going to give yourself to drink? And her response, no, I'm a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. That's interesting. We're really comfortable with the the drunkenness of joy. But are we comfortable with the drunkenness of travail? It's intoxicating. It really is. It's just a different form of intoxication where we give ourselves. And then all of a sudden, it's like travail takes us over. And we're rocking and we're, we're snotting even more and we don't have words. But God is pleased. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and my resentment. Ah, that's interesting. She's even being honest about what she's actually feeling. These are the things we like to hide from Jesus. No, I don't have any resentment in my heart. I am not bitter toward that person. I don't carry any offense. Bull. You're just not really willing to admit it. But she is. She's like, you don't understand. This isn't drunkenness like you think it is, Eli who's very familiar with it because he has wicked sons. She's praying from her anguish and her resentment because she's not been able to bear a son. Eli responded to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. She left it all there. Do you leave everything at the altar? 
Do you leave it all there? Have you allowed Holy Spirit to search you through and through? You guys, if if we will allow ourselves to be honest before God, he will do everything that's needed in that moment. You don't even have to have the words. Listen, we talk a whole lot about prophecy, being prophets, on and on and on. We can hear God speak blessing over one another, but can we hear God to lead us in a prayer? Have you ever tried that? He says a line, you say the line. You know, like they do at altar calls. This is the real altar call, though, because you're there and he's leading you. You're just repeating everything that you hear the Lord saying because you've slipped into his stream of intercession. And he begins to remind you in this space, he will remind you of your history with him. Sometimes it's even beyond your generation, your lifetime. He reminds you of what went before you, of his power being released over situations and circumstances where he broke generational curses. He reminds you so you can remind him. That's what's fascinating. He will bring to remembrance what he has already accomplished just so you have something to, my goodness, even in sacrifice, even at the altar, he's leading. The one thing that is ours is the willingness to run there. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 19. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. I love that picture. It's just, honestly, it's such a beautiful picture to me of, of these two. You can kind of see what their union is about, that that they they want to be before the Lord together. And I just absolutely love that. Afterward, they returned home to Rama, Rama, whatever. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. This is, guys, like this is such a beautiful moment because it's like the prayers that she offered up at the altar became like this fragrance surrounding the Lord. And he's like, Oh, Hannah wants a child. It's just beautiful. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. And the name Samuel actually means God has heard. God has heard. And so his his entire existence, Samuel's entire existence from conception on is about remembering that the Lord hears us in our depths of despair and even in our resentment as long as we've run right where do you go when the pressure is on then um when elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the lord hannah did not go and explained to her husband After the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Oh my gosh. 
two years, two years. They, they would nurse their children for two years. And I cannot imagine what those two years would have been like for her. This woman has pleaded with God. She's been teased relentlessly for not having a son. And her time with the son is two years. Two years. That's how long she has him in her presence. And so she, she stays this time. Her husband Elkanah replied, do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. I don't know if you like reading the story a little bit, you kind of feel like Elkanah is like, woman, you better follow through. (laughs) Like this is the, we're not messing around here. Like you have made a vow before the Lord himself that you're going to give this child to the Lord. And I don't even know if they really fully understood what that would look like. That's, that's huge. I know we like to make a big deal about Abraham and Isaac, but this is, this is just, just as phenomenal. A woman who's, who's wanting is fulfilled. And then she, two years, within two years, gives this, this child up. Um, When she weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as a three-year-old bull, half a bushel of flour, and a clay jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Please, my Lord, she said, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he worshipped the Lord there. I bet he did. I bet he did. I can't add. What a scene. Eli has got to be like, I've never never seen anything like this. This is wild. Chapter 2. Hannah prayed, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. When they talk about a horn, they're they're talking about the fullness. They, they, They are full. My horn is lifted up before the Lord. She is counting herself in this moment of sacrifice. She is counting herself as full before the Lord. She has plenty all that she needs. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There's no one besides you. And there is no rock like our God. Do not boast so proudly or let arrogant words come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and actions are weighed by him. She knows what she's doing. She knows. Do not let arrogant words come out of your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge and actions are weighed by him. She's like, don't go spouting frivolous things. If you aren't capable of following through on what you say you're going to do, just be quiet. The bows of the warriors are broken, but the feeble, they are clothed with strength. 
Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are starving hunger no more. The woman who is childless gives birth to seven, but the woman with many sons pines away. She's she's carrying deep revelation. The Lord brings death and he gives life. He sends some down to Sheol and he raises others up. The Lord brings poverty and he gives wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the trash heap. He seats them with noblemen and gives them a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. He has set the world on them. He guards the steps of the faithful ones. The wicked perish in darkness. For a person does not prevail by his own strength. That's really important. So in those moments where you're being hit, where you're being pressurized, don't think that it's in your strength that you can handle it because you can't. You can pretend and that's as good as it gets. You have to know where you're going with the pressure. Don't be a pretender. Because you don't have the strength to deal with it. Only he does. And you only get that strength by running to him and allowing him to lift the burden off of you and to remind you of who he is. That's where the strength comes from. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder in the heavens against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give power to his king. He will lift up the horn of his anointed. And it just says Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy served the Lord in the presence of the priest Eli. And we know the end of the story of how it is that Samuel is used by God. He's the one who is chosen to anoint kings. He he has a, a, a phenomenal role in the the early days of kingdoms as as we know them and um and and God uses him in in fascinating ways actually you remember when Saul doesn't follow through on God's orders and gets himself in a whole lot of trouble and honestly is denounced as king um it's Samuel who goes and finishes the job you know he's he's used to to anoint kings and kill kings. And, and so his, his role becomes very prominent all because a woman was willing to go and throw herself on the altar and travail before the Lord. What would happen if you knew the way to the altar when the pressure was on? What seed would the Lord plant and grow in your life because of your obedience to be a living sacrifice? It is the call. There's no way around it. We've made a mockery of worship. But what worship really looks like is being honest before God, pouring ourselves out before him. We are the drink offering. And he's not afraid of the bitters. You know, he's not, 
He doesn't shy away from that. He enters into that space. It's where he does his best work. Even in her prayer, you see she's revealing the heart of God. It's the proud he turns away from. But those who have nothing, he comes and lifts up. There's just nothing he won't do to prove who he is. We need to learn to trust him in this, that we don't have to have the fancy prayers. We don't have to have the voice to be able to offer him something of worth. What he considers worth are the things that are sitting and churning inside of us, the things we won't give him. That's what he's after. Turn that into worship. Turn that into praise. The things that you want to hide from him are the things that he's after. Do you know the way to the altar? Are you going to drop everything in a moment's notice to run? We are only going to learn how to worship him appropriately by learning our way around the altar and what takes place there with him. You're not going to know until you go. And you really shouldn't rely on someone else's experience. Go and live the experience. Encounter him in that place. Let him touch your pain. I think the reason why we experience the round and round and round and round is because we're not honest before him. We're playing games. We're not nearly as brave as Hannah. We're so afraid of the moment that she had where you know Eli's accusing her of being drunk. This woman didn't care what it looked like. She wanted the Lord to know what was on her heart. She didn't care. We care too much. We care what it looks like because we've been fascinated with the show of church. It's not a show. It's a lifestyle. I grew up Catholic. And in growing up Catholic, it's a whole experience, but there, there were um, altar boys. And this was kind of a high honor to be an altar boy. And, and God keeps pointing me back to that and um, just wanting to talk about the altar boys. And, and I was always fascinated by, by that role that they got to play. They weren't altar girls, by the way. They were only altar boys. <laughs> and so I, I couldn't apply. Anyway, <laughs> um, I just, I, I feel like there is just, there's such an invitation for us to to learn that role, not necessarily in, in that vein, but I, I know why he's pointing to it is because he's like, who will steward my altar well? Who will steward my altar well? And, and mostly, you guys, we don't even 
we don't even go there. Like we don't even talk about the altar. Do you know that scripture actually tells us that when we worship him, we come before his altar and that there are rules that if you have anything, any beef with your brother, you got to go take care of that first because God doesn't want that in the way. Who will steward the altar well? There was one, so we turned our stage into an altar. Felt like that's what God said to do. Pulled everything off the stage and <laughs> we've done our best. We don't really know how to use it appropriately, but we've done our best. How's that for honesty? And um, and and we've got like frankincense and myrrh and oil and candles and plants and pillows and and you know places to kneel and um it's it's quite beautiful but we don't really know we don't really know how to to use it it's like the awkward thing in in the room and yes and and we're still we're still learning how to it, it's it's like it's yeah. new you know it's like this new concept for us and it's age old it is the foundation of of humanity we just we don't know how to use it and that's that's sad <laughs> really it, it is it's um it's tragic that that we've lost the um the essence of of the altar because it's honestly one of the most beautiful places that we can run to it's where you meet with the lamb the one who knows what sacrifice looks like, the one who knows what pain looks like, feels like he still holds the scars in his body. I mean, that, wow. We need to know our way around the altar, you guys. There is, there is a, a, um, a facet of God that is revealed in that place alone. You're not going to get it anywhere else. It is in that place alone and and i'm wondering why are we not rushing the altar why are we not rushing it because there is a depth of intimacy at that place that you're just not going to get anywhere else when he says come by without money that's at the altar that's where it's at that's the place. And don't worry about what it looks like. Pour yourself out. Pour yourself out with all the snot, with all the tears. Just pour yourself out. That's all he's asking for. That we pour ourselves out. It's not about the music. It's not about the instruments, the good voices. It's about pouring yourself out. Father, right now, I just thank you for this invitation to steward the altar well. Steward your altar that we would be as audacious as Hannah, that we would come running into the space. We don't care what it looks like, snot rocking, tears, running makeup. We don't care. We want you. We want you, Jesus. We're after your heart. After your heart, teach us 
to enter into the flow of your intercession because, God, we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to praise you appropriately. We don't know how to offer up something of worth. Reveal your worth, Lamb of God. All we want is all of you. Train us to run to the altar, God. Train us to lay our lives down again and again and again and again. In the good times and the bad. I thank you for your grace. When I don't know what to do, you lead me. When I don't know how to sacrifice, you lead me. Jesus, let us be a people that point to you, that know how to point to you over and over and over again, that we would live just to point to you. we would truly lift you high. God, right now, we just confess that it's an honor to be called to lift you high, to make much of you, your name, to make you famous. I love being yours. Amen. I bless your week, your weekend. Hope you have fantastic plans. And I hope that that includes running to the altar. Love you guys.